The following is the English translation of Pastor Monglen Wu's teaching on the Book of Genesis, chapter twenty-three to twenty-four, translated by Ray. Read the Bible every day, so you will be full of faith. So today we are going to look at Genesis chapter twenty-three and twenty-four. Actually, these two chapters we can look at it from two perspectives. So one perspective is to see the maturation of Abraham's life, that he knows that he has to prepare for the burying ground for her, himself and for Sarah. And on the other hand, he is also looking for a daughter-in-law for his son, so that God's promise can be completely fulfilled. So that when he is still alive, he can see that step by step, that he follow God's promises, that he refused to、uh, find the daughter-in-law for his son in the land of Canaan. But at the same time, we can also see that in our current life, in our we as a Christian, for the elder brother and sisters, how can we prepare the burying ground for ourselves in the future? Because this actually has very important spiritual meaning, and also because this is the way how we can pass on God's promises, how God's guidance in our life to our next generation. And also, on the other hand, we can also teach our next generation how to prepare for marriage and. Tell them what are some keys when we are looking for our spouses, so that God's promise and His blessings will not just stop in this generation, but can be passed on into our next generation. That all of them can live in God's promise. So now let's first read Genesis chapter twenty-three, verse one. Sarah lived one hundred twenty-seven years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. So this is the only places where in the Bible it has recorded the years of a woman. It's only Sarah. So that means when Sarah she has fulfilled all the destiny, all the calling that God has for her in her life. That means her life is completed. So here we can pray for our years on earth. Oh Lord, may you help me on this earth. No matter if I live till sixty, seventy, eighty, or ninety years old, oh God, I want that my life to be counted in your kingdom. To have, and I want my life at your church in your well is something that can last forever. So later on, um, so Sarah died at Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. Then in verse four, Abraham said, "I am a sojourner and foreigner among you. Give me property among you for a burying place, that I may bury my dead out of my sight." So here, Abraham is saying that I want to buy a land. But how did the Hittites answer him? And he says, "Hear us, my lord. You are a prince of God among us. Bury your dead in the choices of." Our tombs, but Abraham did not agree with their proposal. Why? Because in verse seven, Abraham rose and bowed to the Hittites, the people of the land, and he said to them, "If you are willing that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat for me Ephron the son of Zohar." So actually, Abraham has searched the land already, and he knows where to buy. But why did Abraham choose to buy the lands when the Hittites are already offering the best lands to him? It's because the entire land of Canaan is actually God has given them to Abraham and his descendants. However, it's not the timing yet because it still take another four hundred and thirty years before Abraham and and his descendants can inherit this land. Only until in these four hundred and thirty years. After they are enslaved in Egypt, and after the sin of 
the Canaanites fulfill come to completion, and that would only be the time when God gave this lands to the Israelites, and when God will allow the Israelites to driven away all the Canaanites from this land. So at this moment, Abraham has to purchase this land. He cannot use this lands for free because God hasn't give the land of Canaan to Abraham yet. So note that the first land, first piece of land that Abraham bought in the land of Canaan is actually a burying ground. So he has to search it and he has to be willing to pay the price just like he is giving a down payment so that he can know that, oh Lord, eventually this land will all become mine. But God, now I am willing to pay the price so that your promises can be fulfilled on me. So their families and especially brothers and sisters who are older, we have to also see that how can we prepare for ourselves, our future burying ground? And we have to prepare for it. It's because we want to see the passing on of our faith. We have to see the passing on of God's promise and God's blessings so that we are willing to pay this down payment so that God's promise can be glorified through burial, through funeral. And his faith can also be passed on and his so that God's respectable status in our family will not be eroded but instead it will be passed on through generations so that's why he said please give me the cave of Machpelah at the end of his field however you know here Ephron he's actually very smart he proposed that oh don't just buy the cave why don't you also buy the field and in verse 15, it says, My Lord, listen to me. A piece of land worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? Bury your dead. Don't just buy the cave. So if you buy the field, then I can also give you the cave. But the problem here is that the price he asked for, 400 shekels, actually costs a lot. So Ephron is trying to take advantage of Abraham as the price he gave is far beyond the actual value of the field and the cave. But what Abraham sees is not about the value of this piece of land, but instead he sees the entire promised land of Canaan is related to God's promise. So for him to buy this piece of land is to continue God's promises, is to make sure that he can pass on God's promises in my offspring because I want God's promises to keep passing on from generation to generation. So he did not try to bargain with Ephron. And then in verse 6, 16, Abraham listened to Ephron and Abraham weighed out for Ephron the silver that he had named in the hearing of the Hittites, 400 shekels of silver according to the weights current among the merchants. So indeed, the field was sold to Abraham at this astronomical price and the contract was signed in the hearing of everyone. So this is the first time that Abraham have a piece of land in the promised land of Canaan and it's a piece of burying place. Then in verse 20, the field and the cave that is in it were made over to Abraham as property for a burying place for by the Hittites. Later on, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they all were buried here. Even Joseph, when he died in Egypt, he told his offspring that don't bury me in Egypt, even though it would have been a state funeral, but instead I want my body to be buried in the promised land to the cave of Machpelah. It's not that there's anything special in this cave, but instead it's because this land it represents God's promise to Abraham, the promised land of Canaan, so that 
Abraham through this lens can pass on this promise to his offspring. So their families, uh, in terms of the funeral, even though we might not treat it as a taboo, but more than just that, we have to let our offspring know that through the funeral, the reason why we care so much about it is because we want our offspring to see God's promise, blessing, and calling can be passed on through generations through this, that we can pass on God's blessings, gifts, and God's remembrance of our serving so that all our future descendants, they will also remember these things and by that will also inherit the great blessings that God has for us. So now the second things in these two chapters in chapter 24, how can we teach our sons and daughters to experience God's guidance in terms of marriage so that they can always walk in God's blessings so that they won't take it lightly and won't defile themselves, but instead constantly walk in God's will. So in chapter 24, verse 1, Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. But he is not satisfied with that, because his son has not taken a wife yet. And he wants to see his descendants to be like stars in the heavens and sands by the seashores. But this time, Abraham, he has learned the lessons. So he no longer tried to speed up God's promises through his own hands, but instead he learns to keep walking in God's timing. So now he called his servant, to the oldest of his household who had charge of all that he had. So this guy actually is Eleazar and he called him and asked him to put his hands under his thigh so he can swear by the Lord because Abraham fears God and every man belongs to Abraham. They were all circumcised. They all belong to God's covenant. So here Eleazar, he's also circumcised and also because Eleazar, he constantly see how Abraham fears the Lord. So he himself also fears the Lord. So you can imagine if Eleazar has any selfish motives, if he went instead of went to the hometown of Abraham, but instead he went to his own hometown to find the daughter-in-law for Isaac, if he is not wholehearted or faithful, then God's promise can also be hindered. And you can imagine if Eleazar has any selfish motives, remember that before Isaac's come of age, Eleazar is the one who had charge of everything. So when Abraham passed away, Eleazar could have seized the properties. But in all these years, he saw how Abraham is truly faithful to God and how he was under the guidance of the Lord. So he know that God is real. So because of that, Eleazar also became someone who serves the Lord with all his heart, all his soul, all his mind, and all his strength. And he became a man who feared God. So their families, no matter where we are, maybe we're just a servant, maybe we are being hired or work under someone else. We have to learn how to live undercover how to live under our authorities. The way how our authorities, they fear God, we can also receive the same blessings. And at the same time, if we are the one who is in power, we have to know that our life can also be influential to others. All the people under us, how they see, think, we don't necessarily know that. But as long as we keep faithful to God and we keep fearing God and we keep following God in our path, then anyone who 
were being led by us or the ones who we are pastoring or the even our own sons and daughters, they can also follow us to fear the Lord and love the Lord, and they will not do things that against God's will. So indeed, I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said no to that because God will surely lead you. And then in verse 7 and verse 8, The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land, he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. So now Abraham knows that he's the one who inherited the promise. The word that God has ever spoken, all the words of the covenant, he never dares to forget them. And here we can also imagine Abraham, he definitely is the one who constantly declaring God's deed, declaring God's work in front of his servants and also in front of his sons. So their families, especially for the brothers and sisters who are older or under authority, you we have to learn how to speak. We have to learn what to say. We have to constantly declare God's promise, God's entrustment, God's calling on us. However, nowadays, many people in authority, what they says are usually what they think, what they expect. For us as a parents or even grandparents, we have to learn how to keep speaking, keep talking about God's promise to our family, God's expectation to our family, what God has entrusted to our family, rather than just keep saying that, oh, about homework, work, job, housing, or how to make more money, or when are you going to get married? If we only say those things, we will eventually lose God's calling in our family, and God's plans will pale in our heart. And in the future, our kids will indeed just run after the world. So we, we shouldn't just care about their homework, their health, or their relationship, but instead we have to constantly talk about God's promise, God's destiny, God's blessing, and God's expectation on our family. In that case, the marriage the job and the homework and the health of our children, they will necessarily be blessed. And also later on in the verses, we can see that because Abraham, he constantly talked about God's blessing and his promise. So in the future, when Isaac, he himself is facing the difficulties, he will remember the promises of the Lord through his father's words. He will remember God's entrustment so that he learned to follow God and seek God. So today, we are not constantly asking our kids to, oh, just go to church. But instead, we have to constantly talk about God's expectation, calling, and destiny for our family. Then in those cases, we will see that our children, they will just very naturally step into this glorious calling. So indeed, Eleazar, he followed whatever Abraham said to him. In verse 10, Then the servant took ten of his master's camel and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. So this trip probably took him like 20 days because he's old and they also brought a lot of stuff. 
And there are actually many raiders in the desert, but God still protect them and guard them so that everything is safe. So they、um, gradually just went to the city of Nahor. This is actually God's promise because Abraham he mentioned that you should only go to my country and to my kindred. So when Eleazar was traveling with all these choices gifts, he has to know that it's God who will protect him and also lead him to the right person. So I also believe that in these two three weeks, Eleazar. He must be constantly praying in his heart, and then indeed in verse eleven, and he made the camel kneel down outside the city by the well of the water at the time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water. So here you can see Eleazar he wait at the right location for the right opportunity, and you can see that Eleazar he's a really smart manager. Why does he stay? By the well of water at the time of evening, it's because it's exactly at this time that the woman they will come out to work to take the water. So by observation, he will know who who are the girls who are diligent, who are the one that can take responsibility. And then Eliezer pray that he said, "O、oh、Lord God of my master Abraham." Please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, "Please let down your jar that I may drink," and who shall say, "Drink," and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. So we have to be wise in our prayer. We are not trying to manipulate God through our prayer, and we are also not trying to have God to fulfill the confirmations that we ask. But instead, the prayer of Eliezer, he's waiting at the right location at the right timing and made the right prayer. He says, "Oh Lord, may you reveal the right person." Nowadays, many prayers of us. We have so many conditions. For example, okay, that my wife, my spouses, he has to match this one, two, three, four, five thing. My future job has to be like this. The place where I stay has to be like this. Oh God, may you satisfy all these three, four, five conditions. You are actually manipulating God to satisfy your expectation, and so that's why many people in their Pat, when they are looking for the marriage, the job, or their housing, they are always just asking God to satisfy my condition. But today, the prayer of Eliezer, he's not trying to ask God to satisfy his criteria, but instead he positioned himself in the right timing at the right place, and to have give God his expected prayer to have ask God to reveal who is the one. But you know, maybe the one who came is not as he expected. And maybe she will not show up that day. You know who knows. But the prayer of Eliezer, he allowed God to make decision. God may you reveal. And I have my hope. This is my hope. But God, you have the final say. You will be my Lord. So then, if she say drink, and I will water your camels, let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By these, I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. So maybe he wouldn't met that girl, and maybe the girl wouldn't say the exact same work. But here you can see that Eliezer, his criteria is not about her look, it's not about her wealth, but it's about whether or not this lady is the one who can submit to God's will and also satisfy the. Criteria from the Lord. 
So their families, many of the time when we set our own criteria, these criteria is just according to our own expectation about oh how high he has to be, has to be beautiful, has to be uh has a good family, good wealth, good education. But today the prayer of Eleazar is not like this. When he he's praying for the spouses of Isaac, but his prayer is that God may you reveal who is the one that is matching in the calling? Who is the one that can bless the family of Abraham? So their families, our prayer has to be correct and aligned with God's will. Later in verse 15, before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. So indeed, even before um, Eliezer has finished his prayer, God responded. And you can see the entire process, God has arranged everything. And so you can imagine maybe when Eliezer, he just start praying, it's exactly the time when Rebecca just departed from her place. And then when she, he was doing all these prayer, before he even finished, Rebecca has already show up in front of him and ask him, him, do you need my help? So their families, Today, when we are praying, if our prayer is not just trying to satisfy our own selfish motivation, but instead is to try to satisfy God's calling. So if we, if our, when we are looking for the spouses for our kids, if the first criteria is to ask God, Oh Lord, may this son-in-law or daughter-in-law to be able to help our family in terms of faith, in terms of serving, in terms of uh, increasing our hunger for the Lord is and we are asking God, oh, this son-in-law or daughter-in-law, they have to be someone who is very devoted and love the Lord. If we have God, God's calling and God's will as our top priority, then God will definitely give you the best. But oftentimes we are just asking for the appearance, the, the look, the wealth, the bride price, the education. And we want it to be marriages of equal class. And we, if we put our selfish motivation, our flesh, as top priority and ask God to satisfy those things. But their families, these kind of prayer, God will not satisfy them. Because of God's love, He will not answer our prayer that is just to satisfy our fleshly desire. But instead, if we pray that God, may you May you accomplish your promise, may you fulfill your destiny, may you fulfill your will, then we will be able to experience that even before we finish our prayer, then our promise, the thing that we ask for will show up. Because God, He's so longing to pour out his blessing. He's so longing for us to have a share in his abundance, in his calling. So when we pray according to his calling and his abundance, then he can't wait to give to us. But instead, if we only pray according to our flesh, our selfish desire, then you will see that God will have to wait until he can change us. And until we are finally being changed, then God will be able to fulfill our prayer even before we finish those prayer. So later in verse 16 to 21, the young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known, and she asked what she can do for you and your camel. And in verse 21, the man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. So now this person shows up, but Eliezer, he's still asking God, God, is it really her? She seems to satisfy everything, but is it really her? 
Everything seems to match quite well. But Eliezer, he's still asking God, is it really her? She's very attractive. She's very diligent. And she can water the camel. And so she must be of good physique. It seems like everything seems to be really good. But he still has to ask God, is it really her? He let God have the final say. Oftentimes our prayer, we maybe we see that, oh, this is good. This criteria is matching. Then we just think that, oh, yeah, it's definitely her. But we forget to ask God, oh, Lord, have you prospered my journey or not? So let today, let's again hand it this final say back to God's hand. So for our brothers and sisters, when we're preparing the marriage for our sons and daughters, or maybe young people, if you are praying for your future spouses, Maybe in the process of praying, you are already praying according to God's will, according to God's future destiny. But near the end, God will still ask us, are you willing to give God the final say on whether he has prospered our journey or not? If you are willing, then God will continue to guide you to let you meet the right person. So indeed, now Eliezer, he wants to know if God has prospered his journey. So after all the camels are being watered, Eliezer did another test. So he took a gold ring weighing a half shackle and two bracelets for her arms weighing 10 gold shackles. That actually costs a lot of money. And that's actually equivalent to one year worth of wages. So even though this amount of money doesn't mean anything to Abraham and Eliezer because they are very rich, but this actually is a huge test for Rebecca's family. And so now he's looking at to see how Rebecca responds to this situation. And so she said to him, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Melchah, whom she bore to Nahor. So she's from the right family. It's the kinsman of Abraham. So Lord, may you guide me. So then the man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness towards my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsman. So from the beginning's prayer to the revelation to the later prayer, and now he bowed down and worshiped God. This can indicates that Eliezer, in his process of seeking God's will, he really see God's guidance and his fear of the Lord also increased through this process. So do you see that? It's because Abraham, he lives out the same life. So the same life can be also revealed in the one who he leads. So for a man who fears the Lord, your sons and daughters, they will also experience God through the fear of the Lord. For uh, an authority who fears the Lord, who honors the Lord, you will, God will also bring the same kind of person to you. So their families, please don't complain why all the people who I lead, why my daughters are like this and like that. Because remember, the people who you are guiding and also your sons and daughters, they actually reflect how much life you have. They actually reflect the same thoughts patterns that you have, the way how you make decisions. So through these things, now this is a chance that we can repent in front of the Lord. Oh Lord, may you forgive me, may you have mercy on me. Help me to be a one who truly fears you so that the people I lead, so that my sons and daughters can also fears you. So here Eliezer fears the Lord, so he worship God and as he keep uh, seek God's will step by step and he realized that all these things is God's guidance, then the first response of Eliezer is to bow down and worship God and give thanks to the Lord. His response again indicates that his master Abraham is also this kind of person. 
So, dear family, may God help us to constantly live in front of Him, so that our sons and daughters are the people who we lead. They will also fear the Lord in the same manners on the stuff that we entrust them. So next, in verse 28 to verse 49, in all these conversations, you will see that Eleazar, his words are always to the point. Just as he arrived at the place, he immediately said how God guided him. He always put God's benefit. He always puts Isaac, his own um, master's benefit as the top priority. So he just immediately asked, can I take her and go? So maybe you would think that why is he in such a rush? He spent like 20 days to come here and he literally just arrived. But now um, you are trying to take my daughters. How can it be? Why don't you just stay a couple more days to share a story? You see, you have like 10 camels. You bring so many stuff. Maybe you have even more stuff. Um, You only show us this bracelet and this ring, but we want to know more about you, you know? So their family, sometimes we always think that our own logic our own judgment, our own reasonings. We always take those things as priority. But here, Eliezer, he's also actually testing this family through these things to see if this family knows uh, God's guidance. Do they have this spiritual discernment? Are they able to have this fellowship in spirit to recognize that this is God's arrangement and also hand the results in God's hand? So today, oftentimes when an opportunity or a decision or some benefits come in front of us, sometimes we will just ask, oh, is it really that lucky? Is it really that good? Then we start to say that, okay, maybe I need to think twice. Maybe I have to take a couple days to reason, to think about it. Then this is the time when we try to use our own logic to decide whether or not it is God's leadership. But instead, today, we should use our spirit to ask God, God, may you lead me? May you let me know, is this your guidance? Is this your decision? Is this your arrangement? So if the family of Nahor and Bethuel, they also learn how to have this conversation with the Lord, then they will realize that what Eleazar had says, he will know that it's God speaking through Eleazar. Then they will also be able to hear God's voice. But here you will see that God's words is actually on Rebecca's. So we can see that if someone who always have this intimate relationship with the Lord, then in front of every opportunity, every decision making, every circumstances, you will be very used to God's guidance so that even when you don't fully understand the full picture, you can still make the right decision. So in verse 50, then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's sons, as the Lord has spoken. Then in verse 52, when Abraham's servants heard their words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. So he will just hand all the abundance to them and then just send me away. But... Now her brother and her mother still don't want it to be that fast. So can you stay with us for at least 10 days? But Eliezer said no to that because he see that God's promise, God's leadership, God's guidance is so obvious. So I have to immediately respond to God's leadership. I have to bring Rebecca back immediately. I don't want to delay. I don't want to just spend a couple of days so that I can enjoy this place. Even though I have traveled for three weeks, even if I take some rest, 
guess my master would not know, even though it seems very reasonable for me to stay just a couple days. But Eliezer, he knows that he not only has to give account to his master, but he also needs to give account to God. So he chooses to bow down in front of God. Eliezer, in all these process, his knowledge of the Lord is increasing and his fear of the Lord is also increasing. So that's why Rebecca can also recognize that he is the one who fears the Lord. So I'm willing to go back with him. So and God's decision would not make mistakes. So in verse 59, so they send away Rebecca, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. So here the name of the nurse is actually recorded in the Bible. It's in chapter 35. The name of this nurse is called Deborah, and the name of this servant is called Eleazar. So their family, if you are the one who fears the Lord, you wouldn't just be a nobody. Maybe you think that you are just a very ordinary person and all the famous guys, their names, everyone knows. Maybe you think that you count as nothing. But here in the Bible, it clearly tells us, even if you are an ordinary person, as long as you follow God's words, as long as you respond to God's calling, your name will be recorded in the Bible. And also God says our name is engraved on the palm of his hand. And here, Deborah, the name of this nurse is being recorded. And Eliezer, the name of the servant is being recorded. So here we can see that uh, when we are in God's hands, when we fear him, when we follow him, and when we are longing for him, then we wouldn't just be a nobody, but instead we will be the very precious and important vessel of the Lord. And in verse 60, And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gates of those who hate him. Note that this is exactly the same promise for Sarah. So the family of Rebecca, they can say these words in their ignorance, but actually these words is exactly the words a spiritual man that he needs. So sometimes when even just an ordinary person, even just some ordinary words for a spiritual man, they can immediately recognize that this is God's promise fulfilling on us. So we have to respond. But the key is that we have to keep following according to God's request, God's guidance. And then we will see that there will be confirmations surrounding us, guiding us to confirm that, yes, we are now on the right path. So when Rebecca make the right decisions, the words from her family became the key of this confirmation. So if we keep walking towards God's destiny, then we and we have this right response, then you will definitely hear it. God will give you the confirmation and the people around you will also speak out these confirmation and your spirit man will be able to immediately recognize that this is God's guidance. So later on, indeed, they left and they went to Bear Lahoi Roy and then they see Isaac. And so Rebecca, when Rebecca came down, Isaac immediately, they meet each other and a servant told everything to Isaac. Then in verse 67, then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah his mother and took Rebekah and she became his wife and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. So at that time for a wealthy family, they will have many, many tents. And when Sarah passed away in, in, at an age of 127, her tent was not being removed. Maybe his father Abraham is lives in other tents, but this tent belongs to Sarah is still waiting for the one who can continue the same calling. So their families, 
Oftentimes, God's promise and blessing to us wouldn't just stop when we uh, passed away, but instead there will be someone who can follow and continue the same destiny. There will be someone who can continue the same gifts. All our various gifts can be passed on to our next generation. So when we are praying for the marriage of our sons and daughters, when we are praying for their calling, we can pray that they can also enter into the same tent. The tent of Sarah is not being removed. It's still waiting for Rebecca to enter so that she can continue this promise. She can continue the same position of Sarah. And at the same time, Isaac, he also stepped into this position as a true son. So their families, one important thing is that we have to keep praying for our bearing ground to keep continue to continue God's blessings and same for the marriage of our sons and daughters, their life, their future, we have to keep praying so that God's promises can be continued. The promises of the mother as the multitude of nations for Sarah can be continued through a lady in Abraham's kindred in his father's house so that the same promises can be continued on Rebecca. Their families, nowadays God has abundant blessings on each one of us. So when we pray urgently, God, may you help my sons and daughters to follow the same calling. Maybe your sons and daughters, they are still single. Then we can pray for our marriage, pray for their spouses so that my son-in-law or my daughter-in-law can also be grafted to the same promise so that God's promise, God's blessings for us can be from father to the children to the thousandth generation. So dear family, today let's pray for our calling, pray for our destiny so so that his promise and destiny can continue in our family line and it will never stop until his second coming. Amen.